Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. All right, uh, we have a season. We have some wins. We have some losses. More wins than losses. Are people happy? Are they not? I don't know. It's really hard to tell based on the vibe and post game. So I'm here with my distinguished panel to kind of determine how you all should be feeling, and then you'll all follow suit after listening to this episode. So please. Let's get into it, uh, and let's start off with the intros. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I need everyone to stop pretending that Brian Elliott, who I love with my life, should be starting any more hockey games than he already is. This is a surprising take from you, Kelly. I did not think you would be the one to say this. I'm a reasonable person, William, and I understand that Brian Elliott is excellent when Brian Elliott is used sparingly. He's like what? salt. You can't put too much Brian Elliott on your food or it's inedible. You can only put some Brian Elliott. You put a good amount of Brian Elliott on your cheeseburger. Tastes delicious. That's all I'm saying. Wait, wait, wait. Let's slow down with calling him excellent. He's excellent. He's an excellent he's, backup. He's fine. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quite say excellent, but also... I would say he's excellent. Also, I, I want to <laughs> back up for a second here, Kelly. So Uh-oh. you're saying that it's not a good idea to play Brian Elliott every game in a month? I'm going to say that history would show that that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's not the smartest move. Kelly, congratulations. You're qualified to coach the Philadelphia Flyers. Actually, I think this makes me overqualified. Yeah. But it, it's, I mean, like, <laughs> the returns on Brian Elliott diminish so quickly past, like, 2.6 games. After that, it's just, like, all downhill very quickly, and then he breaks into a million tiny pieces, and you're totally fucked. So you just can't. Like, he has one good game, and we appreciate it, and then he goes back onto the bench, and we bring in the actual goaltender. That's how this works. Yeah, and we talked about this last episode. Like, I think maybe there's a—maybe there's an opportunity to get him into 
a little bit more action early in the season. But, like, even, not even the uh, the injury angle, which I bring up every time we mention Brian Elliott. Like, you, you play him too much, suddenly Alex Lyons, your goalie, and nobody wants that. But just, like, this needs to be Carter Hart's net at some point. Does he need to play 90% of the games in the first two weeks? No, that's stupid. Like, go ahead, get the other guy in there, get him, get him warmed up, but... Eventually, this is going to have to be Carter Hart's net if this team is going to be what it's supposed to be. And I think it will be. I just, you know, it's the, it's early. I agree that it's early, but, like, it needs to be Carter Hart's net now. Yeah. I'm not going to. I mean, we're, we're going to get into it this is. more later, but, yeah. I mean, he'll figure it out. And when he does, he'll get all the starts again. And then everything will yeah. be good. So I, it's just, it, this strikes me as something. There are things on this team that, again, we'll get into, that I think are worth being concerned about. Carter Hart and his usage, very low on my personal list. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know. And, we'll, like, you we'll know what would make both goalies better? Did you just completely interrupt me and then talk over me? I didn't hear you talking. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Touche. Oh, boy. Mm. What did you say? I have absolutely no idea because you interrupted me and then talked over me. Yeah, well, too bad about that. From the <laughs> athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Okay, so going to go on a little little mini rant here. Um, it's mostly directed towards a certain very vocal contingent of fans on our, our little, uh, little the, the Twitter, let's call it. Can we please, please, please? Stop with the constant questions of when are they going to play Samuel Moran that I'm getting like five times a day from people. The Flyers' biggest issue right now is they can't break the puck out of their own zone and they can't make good decisions with the puck. So asking Elaine Vigneault, why aren't you playing the guy whose biggest weakness has always been his inability to break out the puck and make good decisions with the puck, it's just a waste of a question. I'm not going to ask a question that I already know the answer to. The guy's learning a new position. He was never that good with the puck to begin with, and they're not going to throw him in a game when they're still trying to figure out, like, the core of their issues, which is actually moving the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone on a regular basis. Now, I do believe that Sam Moran is going to get in hockey games. I do believe the Flyers think, as an organization, they think they could use toughness. And there are certain games that Moran would be able to play a role in making it so the Flyers don't get beat up on. They believe that I'm open to the concept, and I do believe the Flyers would benefit from an infusion of a bit more physicality to respond to you know certain times when other teams take liberties with their players. While that I agree with that, I also think they could use a little bit more physicality in terms of you know being able to shrug off heavy forechecks and things like that. So I'm on board with that. But Samuel Moran is not going to solve this problem no. by playing eight minutes a night. It's just not mm. going to happen, and he's sure. especially not going to solve this problem when he's in the midst of learning a new position and he wasn't even all that great at his old position. So, like, when he gets in a game, it'll be kind of fun, and sure, I hope he does well, but, like, I'm not going to obsess over this because I completely understand why the Flyers are not throwing him into games. Can I ask you a two-part question, Charlie? First, are they, like, is he 100% a forward? He will never, like, they are committed to this. He's not going to play defense. 
So AV was asked that, I believe, like maybe like late last week, somebody asked him that question. I think it was right after the Myers injury, which was basically, would you consider moving Samuel Moran back to defense? And they basically said no. You know, we're okay. pretty much all pretty much all in on this forward thing. And it makes sense. Like, look, do I think he's gonna be a forward forever? No. I mean, I think there's a decent chance he eventually goes back to defense, you know. When he's playing for Ottawa next year. Yeah, maybe for the Flyers, maybe for somebody (laughs) else. I don't know. But I think the Flyers realize, rightfully, that, like, if you're going to build a guy up all offseason, that you're going to be playing a new position. You have him do hours upon hours of tape study. You have him go through the entirety of camp. You have him working with Ian LaPerriere and all the coaches to try to learn this new position. You can't just audible it a week and a half into the season because one guy got hurt. Charlie, may I present to you the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles and Jason Peters. <laughs> okay. But I no, seriously, like, my thing about Sam Moran is I agree with you. Like, there are, uh, again, on the list of things we should be worried about, Sam Moran ain't on it. But this team, yes, they struggle to break the puck out. They, they struggle to make good decisions with the puck, especially on the back end. The turnovers trying to break out are ridiculous. However, they already have guys in the lineup who are bad at those things on defense. Another huge issue with this team is defensive zone coverage. Could potentially Samuel Moran, by sheer size, because he can just, even if he's out of position, reach over and maybe poke check somebody every now and then, wouldn't he possibly be an improvement over some of the other bad puck-handling defensemen we have blowing coverages 12 times a game every game? Who are you talking about, though? You know. (laughs) The the guys. Them. The guys who are bad at these things that I'm talking. And, like, you know I like Justin Braun, but he has struggled mightily to start the year. And fucking Robert Hay, guys. Like, I can't take it anymore. I can't even pretend he's mediocre. He's the worst player. He's worse now than, like, two years ago. It's he's regressed as a professional hockey player. He's not having a great start. No, to answer your question about, about Moran, you know, could he theoretically replace one of those guys? Like, I honestly don't know. Okay. Because it's just it's it's tough. Like he did miss basically two straight seasons, and defense really really hard to play defense in the NHL. So I don't know if he'd be able to slide in and be more sound from a coverage standpoint than those guys. Like obviously, especially you know just, especially with a guy like like Gus, like it's not a particularly high bar. But like I don't know. I would hope that Sam Moran could be better in coverage. I think in theory he could. I don't know. I don't know how rusty he is, and the fact that like. Again, he hasn't been preparing to play that position for the entirety of the fall and into the winter. So, I don't know. I would hope so, but I understand why they're saying, like, look, we committed to this forward thing. You're standing for it. Yeah, that's fair. Last, but certainly not least, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I just wanted to continue along the defense just line of thought, and I'm just, I'm so sick of talking about them. We just came from, you know, Andrew McDonald. And if you really want to go back and, and talk about players that are playing out of their depth, you know, Coburn was playing out of his depth, um, not due to lack of talent, but lack of defensemen. Um, Andre Mazaros. Like there's so many defensemen that I could just name because we hated them. Other than Andrew McDonald, of course. Mazaros was great till he got hurt. Mazaros was not. He had that one pretty good year when he won the uh, the Ashby. 
in like a travesty of a vote, but he did win the Ashby, never forget. <laughs> right. So here we are in the year 2021, and we're still talking about this defense being garbage. So Provorov, good. Sandheim, good. Myers, good. Slash injured. Everyone else sucks. And two of these guys Chuck Fletcher brought in. So now Justin Braun, garbage. Chuck Fletcher brought him in. Eric Gustafson was the answer in the offseason, and he fucking sucks. And Chuck Fletcher brought him in. I'm I'm so sick of thinking we have a solution for defense and then just being right back in the same hole that we've been in for the past decade. You know what would have solved it, though? Tory Krug. Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they probably would have solved it. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> now, whether the Flyers could have gotten them, I don't know, but they, they could have solved it if we would have gotten them. Getting Question many for... good players would solve a lot of problems. Question for Steph, then, and then the other you two can come, come in. Um, do you, be, based on these evaluations, and you're making some pretty good points that Chuck Fletcher picked these guys, and eh, not looking so good, um, do you trust him to fix it now? I don't not trust him. So how's that for a not, non-answer? I have to I, think about I, it. <laughs> he hasn't quite earned my trust yet, but he also hasn't earned my distrust. Um, so, like, let's see how he fixes it. It's going to have to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. If he doesn't, that's uh that's a tally in the distrust column, but it it needs something needs to happen because this defense is fucking atrocious. We're gonna get into a bigger conversation about the defense uh, in just a minute, but first I have what I believe to be a genius free marketing idea for the NHL. You know how they're selling everything. Ads on helmets, the Toyota RAV4 final four minutes, all this not, uh, ads on jerseys, everything. They're just selling the world. They need to sell empty net goals to Progressive or Geico or one of these insurance companies. Insurance goals. Give me Flo and Jamie popping up on the screen like the Toasty Dude in Mortal Kombat 2. Boom. I think this is a great idea. When I read this, I was actually like, you know what? That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, when the Flyers were tweeting about insurance goals last night, I was like, wait a minute. Insurance is like the number one advertiser on television. Why haven't they freaking gone to this well to sell some more shit? Let's do it, NHL. Insurance goals. Flow. I'm just in love with flow more than anything, really. You would. That's what it is. You would there be. There it is. This again is just. It's always with Bill. Like the things that everyone hates, you love, and the things that everyone loves, you hate. It, I it don't is, do. I natural. came to this. I came to this conclusion years before everyone hated her. That's the thing. I've loved her for like 20 years. She's on my like free pass list. Fascinating. Ava would Incredible. not divorce me if I slept with Flo. Incredible. She All right. knows. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the show, I guess. So I want to just... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <You> guess. <laughs> There I want to just get, I just want to get a, a general, how are we feeling? Uh, if you're leaning even just 51% in one direction, uh, would you say with 49 games remaining, are you optimistic or pessimistic? 
I'm a solid like 64% optimistic, to be honest with you. Oh. I mean, what am I being optimistic or pessimistic about? Like, are the, pl- the Flyers going to make the playoffs? Like, the, yeah, of course they are. The outlook of them meeting your expectations, whatever your expectations may be. Yeah, I'm, I'm still – I mean, up until two games ago, I was like, everyone needs to calm down. It's not that big a deal. We're all fine. The last two games have made me pause for a moment and reflect on what is actually happening here, but I still think this is a good hockey team, and we have seen them healthy for, like, five periods of hockey, so maybe we should just chill a sec, and once they're healthy – and get some games under their belt, then we can decide if this is a bad team or not. Yeah, I don't really have a great answer. Um, because like our sample size is so small. Sure. Um, and, like, Kurt wrote a great article the other day that's, like, the worst-case scenario happened. Jean Couturier went down. Like, that's worst-case scenario. Um, so, I don't... I don't know. My expectations for the season were that they were going to be a competitive team um, and that they were going to challenge for the cup. And I am hopeful, but I don't. Thank you, Bear. Um, I don't know if that's the team that we're necessarily seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, the the team that we're seeing right now is not a cup contender. And, that you know, they're they're four, two and one. They have a pretty decent record. They're certainly not digging themselves a hole. But if you're looking at the way they're playing, I mean, that's not cup-caliber play. And anyone, you know, whether you're an eye test person or a staff person, anyone would agree with that. I think the reason why I'm still fairly optimistic is because I still think this team is, is good. Like, I, mm-hmm. I look at the roster. I look at what I believe this team can be over the long term, and I'm still optimistic. Like, there are players who are not playing that well right now that I think will play well by the end of the year. Like, I think the guy, I think the Oscar Lindblom we see in the second half is going to be much better than the one we've seen so far. I think the Nolan Patrick we see in the second half is going to be much better than the one we've seen so far. I think you get Sean Couturier back, suddenly you have, you know, a legitimately pretty darn good top six. You would think you get a better third line when you got Nolan Patrick back, you know, at close to, you know, what I think he can be. And then what you need is you need another defenseman. And I guess that, that's part of the reason why I'm still optimistic, and, but, but also why I understand why some people are not, is because I think a lot of the pessimism from certain sections of the fan base is just the feeling that Chuck isn't going to do anything. And basically their opinion is that how can I be optimistic when I look at this team and I see what it needs, or, I, or at least I see what I think it needs, and I have zero confidence that Chuck Fletcher is ever going to do anything to address these things that I've identified as the key problems. And I guess I have more confidence that he will. I just don't think he's going to do it immediately. But I think the team that the Flyers, as long as the Flyers do indeed make the playoffs, I think the team the Flyers enter the playoffs with, as long as they're not ravaged by injury at the time, which, like, can't predict that, the team the Flyers enter the playoffs with is going to be better than this team is because I think Fletcher's going to go out of the deadline and get a piece or two and not insignificant pieces. I think, um, like, I'm still leaning optimistic, and it's because 
Like, they're playing the worst defense imaginable. Carter Hart has an 880 save percentage. They lost their 1C. They immediately lost his replacement. They lost a top four defenseman. They're 4-2-1. and one. So, like, if this is as bad as they're going to play, and they're still, like, decently above 500, I'm, I think we were right in our evaluation of this team. Like Charlie said, they're good. Now, could they be playing better 100%? They have to, right? Like, certain aspects, <laughs> <They're better. laughs> certain aspects of this team, every, every time the opponent is in, is in the offensive zone, somebody squeaks loose and is wide open for a scoring chance. Like, that can't continue to happen on literally every possession, can it? Like... We they hope just not. Yeah, I, I yes, I hope not. And like like I said, Carter Hart not playing his best hockey. I expect him to be more of the above average goaltender he's been than the guy we're seeing right now. If he's not, he's not. We'll live with that. But uh, you know, and then the season will go up in flames. But I see a lot of room for improvement. And other than the GM who does have to go make a move, and he's probably got to do it sooner than later. Not today, but like tomorrow would be cool. Uh, like other than that thing, like that's an external fix that they do need, but the team as currently constituted, I expect to play better. And based on what I've seen, I think they will. Yeah. Oh, totally. I absolutely agree. They, they can and will play better than they're playing right now, but the defense is a weak spot. Oh, and it needs, it needs to be addressed. And it's like. The amount their offense is, and this is something we can talk about now. Charlie has these numbers in the outline. The, like, the 5-on-5 five five Corsi numbers, the expected goals numbers. Like, the amount this offense is able to produce in limited opportunity because of their poor defensive play. Man, if they can just, like, break even in shot attempts, they're going to kill teams. Like, this team was built to score goals uh, and put up a big number in the third period. They've done that with limited opportunity so far. I'm excited to we have, to think we haven't even seen this offense fully unlocked yet because the defense is so bad. Yeah, and, you know, going into those numbers, you know, by, by Corsi 4, they're dead last in the league. Like, worst team in terms of controlling shots. And by expected goals, which is basically just shots but weighted for quality, they're 27th in the league. So it's not good. Oh, God, it's bro. not good. And, like, that, that's that's why, you know, I always kind of go back to this this idea of, like, oh, you stat nerds. Like, it's honestly more rare than you think when the stats don't match up with the odds. Like, Anybody that's just watching these games can tell the Flyers are getting buried in their own zone and they're getting outplayed in most of these games. Last night, I think, was the first exception maybe since the first game of the year when I think the Flyers actually played decent. It was just a slop fest because it was first game of the year. Last, the, the game against the Devils was the first time I thought the Flyers actually played okay uh, on the whole. But the other games, like, you don't have to be looking at numbers to tell you the Flyers were playing like shit yeah the numbers just give you proof that they are playing like shit that's Charlie, all it's it's almost like the numbers are just a numerical representation of the events that unfold on the ice and if you're watching oh, let's not get crazy and here. if you're watching the games because that's how you tabulate these numbers by watching the games it's almost like they represent each other like oh, they're tied God. together somehow Sounds watch fake. the games mm. no I, I that sounds fake i never watch the games Charlie's never seen a game in his um, life. Charlie, I, just, I, I just look at a spreadsheet, that's all. Charlie <laughs> has a seat with the media and faces the other way in protest of watching the dumb jobs. 
it's the principle of the matter, Bill. <laughs> no, but but no, but seriously, like, yeah, these numbers are concerning, and the fact that the Flyers are playing as poorly on the whole over these, I guess, what are we at? Seven games now after last night. Yeah, seven. Um, if you look at the seven game sample, they're they're not playing well. But I'll point out this. The Buffalo Sabres rank sixth in Corsi and fourth in expected goals so far. And, like, we're pretty sure they're not that good. <laughs> so it, it is early. And presumably, like, the good teams are going to play better and the probably bad teams are not going to continue to play this well because seven games is still a pretty small sample. And, like, when you look around the league, like, I know, Steph, you're down on Colorado, but, like, the whole hockey world basically concluded that they're really I'm not good. Down yeah, I, on Colorado, yeah, just I just them. don't like them. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you you hate them. <laughs> Let me rephrase. You just hate them. Like the whole hockey I don't, world. I don't like them, but I think that they are a good team. Like the whole hockey world picked them to win the Stanley Cup, and then like you know they haven't exactly looked great. I just like it's early. There wasn't a preseason. There, we know all these things. And it's affecting different teams differently. I, I, how many times growing up did we watch the Flyers and like, oh yeah, they're awesome in October and November. They're winning the cup. Ah, oh, shit. Jeff Hackett can't stand up straight. It's all over. <laughs> like there is something to not peaking early. I think like you don't want to go out of your way to play poorly early, but I don't think it precludes you from success down the line. I mean, look at last season. They. Started off like ass like they always do, and by the end of what we thought was going to be the end of the season, they looked pretty, pretty good. So I, I, I think the, the big disappointment is that I think we were all hoping they were over this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's clear that they're not. And that sucks. I was hoping they could just, like, come out of the gate like gangbusters, and it would be like, sure. yeah, let's all get excited about the Flyers. And instead... They kind of are shit in the bed. Even yeah. though they're winning, they're not doing it in, like, a fun way. Is this, is this, like, that's, I think that's my biggest disappointment so far. This start to the season, like, this was supposed to be a continuation. This was supposed to be a sequel to last season where they are better. But this start to the season kind of feels exactly like the last start. Like, It yeah. kind of feels like I want to die <laughs> while watching these games. I mean, they've been scoring a ton of goals in most of them, so at least that's fun. Like, Kelly, I know your opening statement was about Brian Elliott, but earlier in the day, you wrote, I love goals. Well, like, the the goal totals in every Flyers game, except for one, have hit the over. They've They've scored at least seven, or, you know, combined for at least seven goals in every game. Goals are fun. I do like them. It's true. I'd like more for and fewer against, but, like, they're scoring a lot. That is one thing that, because that is something you, you've heard a lot from the more negative corners of the uh, the fan base during this, is that the Flyers look like, they look like they did in the playoffs. And while there are some similarities, the one glaring difference is that the Flyers are scoring and creating a lot more chances than they did in the playoffs. Like the yeah. playoffs, they were playing boring hockey. Whether that was by design or whether that was by just poor execution, the games were boring. These games, like, yeah, they get blown out like every other game, and it's like, well, that game sucks. But the games, they're like, they're creating a lot more chances than they did in the playoffs. They're just getting gashed defensively. That's like, if they could just, like, if their record was exactly the same and two of the losses weren't, like, 
shit storms, would, wouldn't we feel better? Like, if they had just lost 4-2 instead of 6-1 in those games, wouldn't we just feel better? Probably. I think I would. Yes. Yeah, yes. probably. Yeah. It's just been Maybe. so ugly. But like you said, Bill, there, I read an article today on NBC Sports about how a lot of these early games for a lot of teams have just been sloppy as fuck. And, like, maybe there is something to preseason. Like, maybe these guys do need to ease into a hockey season because a lot of teams are just not playing as well as you might have expected them to. I guess I look at, and this is, a, I mean, we should probably move on after this, but I guess the way I look at it is there's not much. I still look at this roster and I can envision a pretty clear path to it being good to very good. And I, I haven't seen much to, like, I haven't seen much out of any of the key players to lead me to believe that, like, that's not going to eventually play out. Because I guess the way I look at it is, like, when Couturier comes back, the first line's fine. Like, that's whatever line Couturier has over the long term, going to be fine because it's Sean Couturier. The Hayes line is the one line that's actually performing well by the numbers. You know, they're the one line that isn't getting buried in their own zone the whole time. So, okay, now you got a second line. Your third line is struggling, in part because I don't think Nolan Patrick has fully found his game yet, but I think he will. And in part because Oscar Limbaugh's been on those lines sometimes, and he hasn't fully found his game yet. So I think he will. Then you look at the defense. Like, at some point, we're probably going to get back to the Sanheim-Myers pairing, and that works. Then it's a matter of, like, okay, if Ghost works with Provorov again, then there's your first pair. If Ghost doesn't, then get a guy. Get someone. And I think they will. And when they do, then hopefully that solves that problem. And then it's just a matter of constructing a workable third pairing around the guys you have left and like yes they've been bad so far but i do think over the long term they should be able to pull a workable duo out of those guys i don't know how but i think they'll be able to do it so from that sense like i think this team still has a pathway to being pretty darn good they're just clearly not there yet all right th you just uh that's a good place to break and we're going to pick up with something similar on the other side but i just want to get this break out of the way because god knows how long the show is going to be so let's just uh pause for a little bit of uh salesmanship and then we'll be back today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. It is uh, BSH Radio, and we have some good and bad on the season so far, but I wanna, I'm want to i trying to take everyone's temperature before we really get into it here. And, Charlie, you introduced an interesting question here. Uh, looking back on the Stan Pat offseason, we all recognize that they're going to have to do something. To what degree it'll be, you know, dependent on what's available and how much cap space they're able to bank between now and when they make a move, but... We all agree they need to add something at some point. This team's a, a piece or two away from really being in the next tier up. Uh, but looking back at the offseason where they didn't do much, they bring in Eric Gustafson, uh, Braun, uh, Braun comes back because Niskanen retires. Other than that, eh, it's kind of, uh, kind of nothing. 
what do we think about how Chuck Fletcher handled the offseason watching the team is currently constructed through seven games? I mean, I, it sure it sure would have been nice if he could have gotten a Niskanen replacement. Yeah. And, like, in Fletcher's defense, I believe that he tried. That said, like, I don't think the, the, the excuse of, well, he tried is good enough because, well, I don't doubt that he tried, and I understand that it's stagnant cap, tough situation. The fact of the matter is, is that when you're the GM of a team, it's your job to not just try. It's your job to get stuff done. And he didn't get anything done. I mean, the guy he signed, Eric Gustafs, has been a disaster so far. Do I think he's going to stay this much of a disaster? No. But he's very clearly not a Matt Niskanen replacement. No. And we should, we should have known that from the get-go. But I it's mean, been, we did know it, that right away. It's been hammered home over these first six games. We knew that right away. But I, I think <laughs> we definitely, like, we were looking at it like, okay, he's got some offensive upside. He could help us out there. I don't think, like, none of us thought he was going to play first-line minutes. But I don't think yeah. anyone was prepared for him to flat-out fucking suck like he has. Exactly. I was not prepared. So, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I, I was, you know, like, hesitantly okay with them mostly standing pat in the offseason. Now I'm more on the side of, like, man, if, if you would have had to lose a deal to get a top four defenseman, maybe lose the deal to just get the damn top four defenseman. Yeah, when... on how bad you're losing it, though. I hate Eric Gustafs Gustafson. Yes. Hate him. That's the thing. Like <laughs> it's the combination of Gustafson was a bad signing, and when you're in the position the Flyers are in, it's okay to lose a deal. Like imagine if they had that three million dollars that they spent on Eric Gustafson, plus whatever assets they had to surrender to trade for somebody. Like I, I realize the idea of okay, he tried and he failed. What's that saying? Like if at first you don't succeed, say fuck it and bail. Like no. <laughs> <laughs> When, when life hands from? you lemons, say fuck it and bail. Like, What's that no, from? You try and try Max, again. I think. Oh god. Like, no, but what movie? What movie is that from? Or TV show? Uh, it's um, uh, not forgetting Sarah. No, it is forgetting Sarah. It Martin. is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul it's Rudd. The, Paul Rudd, the surfer guy. Yeah. When life classic. hands you lemons, you say fuck the lemons and bail. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. That movie it is low key hilarious. Uh, like, you don't just give up and say, okay, let's sign Eric Gustafson because he plays defense and he's available. Like, I suppose you should have looked for a more suitable replacement for the guy who retired than, like, okay, we're bringing back Justin Braun. Justin Braun played 14 minutes a game last week, last like, year. it was the same day. Like, it was announced that Niskanen was retiring and then immediately Justin Braun was extended. Like, can we put some thought into this it does somebody like a else panic. want justin braun like did we need to do this immediately I, I think their viewpoint was primarily that they didn't think they could afford to lose both of those players in the same offseason particularly because they didn't want the penalty kill to collapse without both of those guys as key pieces. And originally the plan was obviously, well, we're going to have Niskanen, see you later, Justin Braun. Yeah. And then once Niskanen's like, I'm bailing, they were like, all right, well, we'll try to re-sign Braun. And, then, and, and in their defense, like, Braun probably took a lower number 
than he would have gotten on the open market. Now, that doesn't mean that it was a good idea to give him that number, but like he did I think he could have gotten, you know, maybe 2.5 mil a year if he would have hit free agency considering the season he had previously. The Flyers got him at a bargain per market price. Now, it hasn't been a bargain well, for what he's delivered on the ice so far, <laughs> but by the market, it was a pretty decent deal for the Flyers, so I understand why they jumped at it. That said, it's fair to say, and I, this is a reasonable criticism, I think, of the way they approach the offseason, that you know you lose Neskinen, so what do you do? You re-sign Braun. You, 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 re, you bring back Haig when I guess in theory you could have decided to not qualify him and let him walk, and then you sign Gustafson. And I totally understand people saying, like, man, I wish I knew what was behind door number two. Like, <laughs> what if you didn't do that and then went out and got a, a, a good player who could move the puck and do all the things? I or get even, that. like, not even, what if door number two or door number three was don't re-sign Braun, don't sign Gustafson, and just have this cap space for when you actually need it. Okay, if the guy you want isn't available, don't just spend the money because you have it. Like, all right, let's hold on to it and see what comes as this season approaches. We don't know who's going to be in it, who's going to be out of it. Anyone could become available. Let's see how it goes. I realize, like, that's even standing more pat, but if the... Yeah, the I don't... I don't love that. There because, would be no like, bodies right now on defense. You still need a defense. <laughs> and we all, so we Mark all, Friedman saw, how, plays. We all saw how the offseason went, though. Like, there was very little movement because everyone was in the COVID panic and the, the cap space panic. I, you still need a defense. And, you know, even if they had gotten Alex Petrangelo, like, that's still only four bodies on defense. I think I think one of the criticisms that does hit home for me a little bit is that, and maybe this is this is because in a way Fletcher kind of did the same thing the previous offseason. It just worked out seemingly a lot better. Like Fletcher seems to like not be comfortable waiting out the market. If that makes sense, like two off the, the in the 2019 offseason he got a jump on everybody. He gets Hayes. He gets Neskin and he gets Braun. I mean, they were done the bulk of their offseason by like mid June, really. You know, before even the draft. So when free agency hit, it was just sort of like, well, we've done all of our shit. We filled our holes. You know, we're cool. Hmm. And that's sort of what happened this time in a weird sort of way because like everybody knew there were going to be bargains out there like later on in, you know, in free agency, you know, a few days into free agency, guys were going to get traded because teams were going to be signing Alex Petrangelo's and then Nate Schmitz were going to be available and whatnot. And instead, Fletcher kind of filled up his defense quickly. You know, he re-signed Braun. He got the jump on that. He re-signed Haig. He picked up Gustafson a couple days into free agency. And then by the time that those guys were getting signed, there wasn't much room. And I think it's fair to be like, well, maybe the Flyers could have waited out the market a little bit more, and maybe they would have gotten better deals. Now, I understand why Fletcher's like, I don't want to be left, you know, the guy holding the bag. I don't want to be, you know, the musical chair guy who gets left standing. I get that. There's a risk aversion element to the way he played it. But at least in the early season, it doesn't look like it's working out the way he had hoped. All right, so let's switch gears here and talk about the defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just 
like I want to like I want to address every player on this blue line individually. Uh, but first, like Myers is out. Who should the six be with him out? Who should it be? Don't I don't even need pairs. Just who should be in the lineup? With Myers out. With Myers out, and then when Myers returns after that, probably these six. Mm-hmm. Who else could I it be? Well, I mean, That's I, you, the problem. You, you could put Gus back in, but does anybody really want to see that right now? Nope. That yeah, that wouldn't right now. That wouldn't be the best six, unfortunately. Yeah. the The problem is that you know their their prospect, their defensive prospect pipeline is a little bit shallow right now. So you've got Cam York, who I've decided is the new Cam America. The old <laughs> one was, um, what, the, what the hell is his name out in California somewhere? Fowler? Yeah, Cam Fowler used to call himself Cam America. It's Cam York now. Um, and uh, that's it. Well, you got Zamola. But they've apparently, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah they've, no, totally. They've they've That's... they've apparently decided he's not physically ready, but he could be later in the year. Maybe he's just not. They decide he's not ready now. He needs to spend three months with the four of us, and the boy will put on the weight that he needs. It won't be muscle, but <laughs> Listen, he'll put you'll on be heavy, weight. buddy. It's bulking season. We got this. Full Dustin Bufflin. Let's roll, baby. <laughs> Igor, we got you. That's like the pipeline. It maybe doesn't have. You know, like at one point we had Sanheim, Proverov, my like all these guys. Ghost had just got here. We we're still looking forward to Hague and Moran. Like it doesn't have that sort of. It seems to have depth, but it's all just like the deep end. It's far away. We have to like get out to it. Uh, for the it's it's just not. It, yeah, like I just wrote down like who should the six be. I wrote it on my hand. Like had they not brought in Gus and Braun. Like, oh, yeah, they'd only have six guys. And, like, Ghost had COVID and Myers got hurt. So, like, they'd only have four. So, okay, I understand why they did what they did. Uh, they would have had to sign someone. It's just they wouldn't yeah. necessarily have had to sign those guys. Yeah, like a three, like, just sign a guy off waivers, like, that sort of guy instead of Gustafson yeah. for $3 million. Like, yeah, like having a Troy Stecker, like a Troy Stecker or a Sammy Votnin or something. Like, yeah. you, those are the kind of guys you could have gotten instead of the guys they got. Damn, I would have taken Botman. That wouldn't have been bad. All right, so let's address the uh, the players individually. Let's lead it off with the good. I mean, Ivan Provorov, he's played 27 minutes, in, uh, at least 27 minutes, in three of the last four. He's averaging over 25 a game. He's got two goals and three assists. Man, at least they have him, right? Yeah, he does look pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I don't think Proby has been awesome. No, I wouldn't say awesome, but he's But like, he certainly hasn't, yeah, he certainly hasn't been the dumpster fire that a lot of other guys have been, and he's like one of the few guys they have left that can skate and pass. He's been reliable. And that's very valuable right now. <laughs> yeah, like just being reliable, one being available, and like, has he been awesome? No. But who's, like, he started the season paired with Justin fucking Braun, who like is only good for 14 minutes a game. He plays double that. Like, there's only so much you can expect out of the guy when he doesn't have a partner. Please don't call Justin Braun good. Don't do that to me. Listen, I liked what he did last year if you shelter him. If he's a third-pair mm -hmm. guy who you put out on the penalty kill and you give him, like, you know, 10 minutes at even strength, he's fine. 
but to play him in the top four or top pair is ridiculous. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I couldn't remember any player names of guys that have been playing above their um, skill level. But, like, he's still not good. He He's another one whose presence on the team personally offends me. <laughs> the thing with Braun for me, and I guess, you know, maybe we, I'll save the bulk of this for when we actually talk about Justin Braun. Fuck it, let's but, talk uh, about Justin Braun now. Okay, I've let's talk about ju- two thumbs up. All right, let's talk about Justin Braun. I'm still not, like, I still think Justin Braun, in theory, and not the one who played on, on Tuesday, because that version of Justin Braun was unwatchably bad. Yeah. But I do think that Braun, in theory, could function in a pairing with Travis Sanheim on the second pair. I think that's, like, his max ceiling of competence. That could work. It's very clear he cannot function on a top pair. Mm-mm. Because, who, man, that was ugly. Like we've reached what's it like the the the, the Peter principle? You could keep getting promoted until the, like find out that like okay you suck at this job. Well, like first pair is that point where like ju- yeah Justin Braun can't do that. Let's 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 toss that idea in the trash can never again. He could still in my mind potentially work on the second pair. It's just they've never really done that with him this year with a good player. Like he, I guess he was technically getting second pair uses with, with Eric Gustafson for a game or two, but like. It's Eric Gustafson yeah. at this point. Like, that's not even giving Braun a fair shake, really, because Gus was a goddamn disaster. So, like, in theory, and I don't think this is the way it's necessarily going to play out because it seems like they're giving the Sanheim Myers or Sanheim Friedman thing a, a shot until Myers comes back. But, like, I wouldn't hate it if until Myers comes back, they kept rolling with the, the Proby Ghost thing and then second pair with Sanheim Braun. I think that could, could at least hold its own. But ideally, I mean, he's on your third pair with a puck-moving defenseman. That would be great. And here's, to Steph's point about guys, like, playing above their head, like, in terms of just what they're expected to do, like, with Braun, like you're saying, third-pair puck-mover, well, a third-pair puck-mover is um, probably pretty bad defensively. Where's Braun gonna be in the defensive zone? So it's like we have this group of guys that need sheltering. Like, all of them need to be deployed in this certain way, and none of them fit together. Like, yeah, let's put out Robert Haig and, and, and Justin Braun. Well, guess what? Their Corsi 4 is in the negatives somehow. Yep, a scale of 0 to 100 <laughs> is in the negatives. Like, it, it, let's, let's put him out with Gustafson. Well, Gustafson can't cover me, so guess what? It's 5 on 4. Like, it's just a bunch of... A bad. We talked about how none of the fits were perfect, and they were going to have to work through it in the early season. Well, early returns are. It's just a puzzle with fucking pieces that don't fit. We need to take it back to the store and get a new puzzle. Yeah, no, that's fair. Throw it in the trash and get a new puzzle. <laughs> it, it is fair that it's hard to, especially once Myers comes back. It's hard for me to figure out exactly where Braun fits because. You get Myers back, you're probably putting Myers with Sandheim. If you're not putting Myers with Sandheim, you're putting him with Proveroff. So one of those two spots. And if, if Myers is with Sandheim, then I guess Braun's on your third pair because he clearly can't be with Proveroff. Like, that's, that's a given at this point. So who's he with on your third pair? I mean, if Ghost is on your top pair, then you're putting Haig with Braun, and we've seen that. Like, I guess they don't... They don't get gashed for goals but man you never have the puck when they're on the ice yeah 
and you were thinking in theory maybe the Gus Braun pairing could work, and maybe it could over the long term if Gus gets his shit together, but right now it can't. And this, like, that's one of those things, like, had there been a preseason, we could have seen the ups and downs and maybe seen some potential, but now, like, it ain't dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. They need two points most nights. We can't be figuring this out, like, oh, yeah, well, we, we vastly outplayed the other team, but for 17 minutes of the game, we had this pair that gave us zero chance. Like, it's it's tough right now, man. It is. It's real tough. and. You know, and if you even even looking in the long term, like, you know, let's say the Flyers, as I think they will at the very least try to do, and I think they will eventually do, um, get another top four defenseman. You know, then after the trade deadline, you're looking at like Proveroff with some dude, Sanheim Myers, and then what? Like, if Braun's in your lineup, you know, plausibly he might be paired with Ghost, but that pairing's been a disaster. Mm-hmm. So then you run into, like, who does Braun fit with in this lineup? And then you run into the thing that you were saying, Bill, of, like, does he fit in this lineup? Like, they want, they want him to play because they like his, his, his work on the penalty kill. But if he doesn't fit with anybody at 5-on-5 five five in this lineup, then it gets tough to keep him in the lineup. Have we not learned any lessons about penalty kill specialists? I mean, I think is I think Braun is actually good at the penalty kill. Yeah. Unlike other guys, they've like like they've set up like Andrew McDonald as a penalty kill specialist, and he was just actually bad at everything. Yeah, that was just a lie. Like, like I know, Braun, but... like like Braun is good at it. It's just is the fact that he's good at it does that make up for where he might not be good elsewhere? Well, that's the thing. Like, there's a you know a whole lot of hockey that's not penalty kill that yeah. you got to play for. Like, that's most of it. So you can't keep a guy around that sucks for 53 minutes of the game just so he can kill seven minutes of penalty time. Seems bad. How is the penalty kill this year? It's been bad. Not great. Yeah. It's been real bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you That's saying, that, that was my only comment. But like, again, <laughs> that was, that was like, my comment. It's early and they lost Couturier. So, like, you know, and we talked about this last show. Like, you know what they can't do all of a sudden that they were better than everyone at in the league last year by, like, a large margin? Win a face-off, face-off in the defensive what zone. What the fuck? They can't win a face-off to save their life. I don't understand it. Yeah, like, it's been rough. And, and, and I'm one who generally doesn't think the face-offs are, like, that important over a large sample size. But, yeah, they've, they've when you been lose them losing all. a lot. Yeah. They've been losing a lot of big ones. <laughs> Face-offs are overrated. A single face-off can be huge, especially on special teams. Like, think about about the Flyers' power play. If they win the face-off and they are set up, well, the the thing they can't do, they don't have to do. So now they can just pass and shoot. Like, getting in the zone, getting out of the zone, those are the things that are real hard to do. Winning the face-off really helps with those things. All right. Let's move on to uh, another guy I was encouraged by in his season debut, Shane Gostaspare. Three shots on goal, 22 minutes, plus two in his first action of the season last night uh, against the Devils. How do we like him? Do we like him with Provorov? Is this where he should be until at least we figure some figure out the rest of the pairs? Just say sink or swim, kid. Go ahead and try it. I thought it was promising as heck. It wasn't perfect, but it was very promising. And the thing that I liked the most out of Ghost's first game is that he did make mistakes, but for the most part, he was able to get back and fix them when yeah. he did. And that's kind so of a big important. deal. Yeah. 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 
And that, one, shows me he's mobile, and two, he's, like, thinking the game well. Like, maybe mm -hmm. he really has been hurt this whole time, and his ability to get back was hampered by those things. But also, he recognized a couple of times, okay, I've skated myself into a corner, it's one-on-three at, like, the dot, I'm gonna just give up and get back. And he did that, and it was, it, like, it worked. Okay, it wasn't a three-on-one, it was a three-on-two, you can cover that. So I was I was definitely encouraged by those things. They pointed it out once on uh, on the intermission report, but he had like two or three of them I noticed. Yeah, I, you know, I think we're on record. All four of us on this podcast are on record as being like pro Shane Gosses Bear in yeah. general. Um, so for us, I mean, for I guess I can only speak for myself, but like, it it's it's really exciting the possibility that, like, maybe we could get the old ghost back. And I don't know how likely that is, but, like, it's a really cool thought. Yeah. And it's a really cool thought that, like, the Flyers kind of are still hoping that, too. Because by putting him with Provroth, it's very much like a, let's give this one last go. To me, that's kind of what it feels like. Like, let's, let's see if we can make this work again. And it's cool that they're not totally giving up on the idea of Shane Goss's bare top four defenseman. Like, yeah, I I was skeptical it would work. I was very skeptical it would work, considering the fact that he's coming off of having COVID and hasn't played a game this year. But he looked pretty good, and that was really neat. And we don't even need him to be one hundred percent of what he used to be. If he's three quarters of what he used to be, it's yeah. still going to be pretty damn good. Better than what they've had. Exactly. And that's the, like, that's my biggest takeaway from it was, like, all right, I saw some good, I saw some bad, but the bad he seemed to, like, be able to move on from, and there's always going to be pluses and minuses with Ghost. You just hope the pluses are, you know, greater in number. And, like, through six games, it became glaringly obvious that when Ghost came back, he was going to be one of the six best defensemen. Like, there's no question he belongs in the lineup now. Like, saying, oh, maybe, you know, Haig should play, maybe Gus should play. Like, no, if there's any question, and, and like, listen, this could all fall apart tomorrow. He, he could very well go bad again. But, fuck, man, he's, as far as I'm concerned, one of the six best defensemen on this team, and it's not a question. Yeah, totally. I mean, last night he looked like one of the four best defensemen. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Easily. Yeah. So, I mean, probably out, you know, with the guys they have playing, one of the three. But like, yeah, I was going to say, they only had three good defensemen to line up. Who's your fourth, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when Myers is in there, you know, he, yeah, yeah, he, looked yeah. like a top, he looked like a top four defenseman last night. Now, can he hold that? We'll see. You know, you can't ignore the fact that he had a bad year last year and the year before he was just decent. But, even if he's just decent, even if he's just the guy from 2018, 2019, that's still a dramatic improvement over Eric Gustafson. And it's an improvement over what they've gotten out of Robert Haig and Justin Braun this year, too. All right. I missed that last point. I'm sorry. Just that it's an improvement over basically everything else they've had. Um, um, yeah, no, that's totally true. So... Let's talk about Robert Haig. I don't want to, though. Yeah, I don't want to either. I don't want to watch <laughs> him play either. Like, break, it, break out the cake because he loves that icing. My <laughs> God. <laughs> was, oh. Well done, Chuck. Oh, my God. And that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. 
it's been like we're talking back to the Luke Shen days of a guy who treated the puck like a fucking grenade. Seriously. Like uh, it's just anything like it. He doesn't pass, he doesn't look, he's just firing. Uh, any direction. He had one shift last night, I swear to God, from the hash marks under very little pressure, he turned it over three times in a row. Like, mm. uh, what is he doing out there? He wasn't this bad last year. Like, I'm not imagining this right. He's substantially, no, no, he's substantially wait, wait, yeah. worse. Yeah, it's worse. He was bad before. He's like a cartoon villain version of an NHL defenseman at this point. He's so bad. Like, last week I called him a league average third pair defenseman, and Kelly, you were like, eh, he might be below average. It's like, I think we're being a little harsh. No, he's fucking bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I won't have it anymore with the Hague defending. He stinks. He's not yeah. off to a good Small start. <laughs> he's not off to a good start at all. Um, no, you know, and, and the thing with Hague is that his ceiling isn't that high either, so that's <laughs> what makes it worse. Because, like, you, with somebody like Ghost, you, you could look at it as, like, yeah, he's got a low floor, but he's got a high ceiling. The problem with somebody like Haig is that he has a, a low ceiling and also a low floor. And right now we're seeing the low floor. The ceiling is on the floor. <laughs> it's a crawl space, I mean, really. I mean, when, <laughs> no, when Haig is playing his crawl best, space. he can be a good third-pair defenseman. He's done. Good? For, for stretches. Yeah, for, okay. like, ten-game stretches, he's done it. Now, for a full season, I don't think he's done it, but for stretch, and 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 I've I, we've had this argument and this this discussion before, where like the goal based numbers have always been pretty good with him. So there's always the possibility that the advanced stats are missing something. But when Haig is bad, he's really bad, and he's been really bad. All right, so let's it's really bad. It's fucking painful, and like I. I, I, I don't even have anything else to say about this defense because it's all just atrocious. Well, let's fold Haig into the Gustafson discussion. Let's bring up Eric Gustafson to say, if you had to go with one, like if you think one of them will become at least a somewhat competent version of themselves, who do you have more confidence in? I choose death. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so here's where my thought process goes, right? So. Gustafson at least scored some goals this season so far. Like, he shows up on the score sheet for both teams, but, you know, um, also, it's for ours. Um, I don't think that Haig has that in him. Um, but they're both really bad. Yeah, yeah. my thing with Gus is that I'm willing to cut him a little bit more slack because he is adapting to a new team with a shortened camp and with no preseason. So, like, I am willing to cut him a little bit of slack in the sense that this maybe is just, like, the growing pains of, ad of adjusting to a new team. That's possible. Now, granted, even with these growing pains, he shouldn't be playing this bad. So I'm not letting him off the hook. But I do think there's a scenario that I could envision where as he gets more comfortable in the flyer system with these teammates, with just being back on the ice in general, that he could be okay. Whereas with Haig, you don't have those same excuses, if you want to use that word, because he's been here for years, and he's just not playing well. So if I had to choose between the two, 
I would choose Gus because I think the plausible upside is higher with him. Also, if you agree that, like, both Braun and Haig are in this, like, third-pair rotation, like, they're kind of the same dude, at least in terms of their role. Yeah. So I don't know why you have to have both of them playing on the third pair. Mm-hmm. You don't. <laughs> Travis Sanheim. Am I just... I... <laughs> He's fine. Why isn't he better? Yes. I, I too, have been asking myself this question. Like, what? Like, is it just because Phil's hurt? Like, I need more out of Travis Anheim. I expect a lot more from him. He's been a bit of a letdown for me this year so far. He's been fine. Exactly. But yeah. I agree. But, but I agree. Fine. Like, he's, he's made some mistakes. He hasn't really, like, taken over on the offensive side of the puck as much as he can and a part of that is probably just confidence in the fact that the Flyers don't have a puck that much for obvious reasons. But he could definitely play better. That said, you know, I if I'm complaining about Travis Sanheim, it's complaining about Travis Sanheim because I believe he can be better than this, not that he's been awful. Oh, and that's that's what I'm saying, though. Like, we're talking about all these very bad players. I thought we had multiple very good ones. We have one who's very good in Ivan Provorov. I kind of expected Sanheim maybe not to get to, like, you know, that, but, like, I, I just, I want more out of him. Like, why hasn't the offense come around? He's almost 25. Like, this is kind of shit or get off the pot time for what you're gonna be. Like, why hasn't he just, like, taken larger steps? Well, in fair- I mean, defensemen, their prime is later than forward. It is. Their prime is 27. 27-ish, Sure. Yeah, but like, I mean, that that's not necessarily what the numbers. He's say, not a like. kid anymore. He's not a kid anymore. No, uh, he's yeah, he's closer to a finished product, really. But again, it's only been a handful of games. I have a lot of faith in Travis Sanheim to get his shit together because he needs to. I mean, that's at the end of the day, he needs to. He needs to figure it out. Yeah, and and I think like. With Myers, he looked fine. Then Myers gets hurt. Then they put him up with Proveroff. Or I think they put him up with Proveroff right before Myers got hurt. But maybe he's just not a first-pair defenseman. Like, maybe that's that's it. He's just he's a really good second-pair defenseman. and Or maybe he could be a first-pair defenseman with the right partner, but Ivan Proveroff just is not that partner. Mm. I don't know, man. I it's had fine hopes. to be a second-pair defenseman. That's fine. It's not oh, you need those, too. You got to have a three. I just expected more from him, and I don't really have an answer as to why I'm not seeing it. Because I think it's there. I don't know. It is there, but that's why. I mean, I'm a really big Travis Sanheim fan, but I view Travis Sanheim as a great number three. And this, to me, is part of the reason why he's a great number three, because, you know, he'll go through stretches where he just isn't super impactful and then he'll go through stretches where he looks awesome and then he goes through stretches where he's not super impactful and like I don't think he's ever awful which is why he's not a great five but he's not consistently dominant in the way that you want a top pair defenseman to be and I don't know if he's ever going to quite get and that's like my expectation was more like uh, to put it in 2010 terms like He's a two who you put on your th- second pair, like, to be the really good three, like, chemo team. And, in. like, could he be Pronger's partner? Sure, but we're going to put Carl up there, and then we're going to have Tiemann as on our second pair, and now we have two really good pairs. And, like, 
I'm just not seeing... And again, like he's not 25 yet. He almost is, though. March 29th, he turns 25. He's getting to the point where... Like, he is who he is, and I just, like, two years ago, he had that 35-point season, and, like, none of it was on the power play, and I just expected him to continue to become a more noticeable player. Like, there are times he's out there, he's one of the most athletic guys on the ice, and you don't even see him. It's it's just weird to me, knowing what he's capable of from time to time. I agree with Bill, on all counts. Weird. <laughs> All right, real quick now. Uh, Phil Myers, he practiced today. That seems good. Thank God. Yeah. He apparently told AV that he thinks, like, he can play. And AV watched him in practice. He's like, nah, not quite. But <laughs> it's good that he's getting closer. Mm-hmm. Because if he's practicing in full with the team, like, I don't think he's going to play on Thursday. But maybe the weekend? Possibly? God. I guess we'll see. I w- it doesn't sound like he it doesn't sound like he's that far away, which is huge for this team because they desperately need him. Yeah. We could really use a better defense against the stupid Islanders. Oh God, the God. Islanders are coming. Oh up, motherfucker, right? why'd you have to? This even weekend's gonna me? suck. I don't know. Craig's filling in me. Well, they've been doing real poorly, so I know. Since when does that matter? It does. Yeah, That's true. A good point. <laughs> Excellent point. I already have Craig filling in for me on Sunday for that one, so I only have to do one Islanders game. <laughs> uh, good call. Finally, with the defenseman, the guy we've been waiting on, he's like he's been with the team like as long as like uh, like Paul Holmgren, basically. Mark Friedman. <laughs> uh, early takeaways on Friedman. It's he's been he's an AHL defenseman. Uh, he's a he's good, fine. He's a good I'm not, not going to be that hard on him. He's fine, and that's always I'm what I expected him to be. Fine. I was never really excited about the kid. I remain not really excited about the kid, but he's not worse than Robert Haig, and he's not worse than Eric Gustafson. That's the... If they had... If they didn't have so many other bad defensemen, he'd be fine. It's just like... <laughs> they're kind of yeah. stocked with guys who are... You put on a third pair, and some of them aren't even really worthy of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was funny with Friedman, because I watched... When I watched the game last night in real time... I didn't think he played very well. And then when I was re-watching the game to write my article, like not the whole game, but like long stretches of the game to, to come up with observations and whatnot, I liked it a lot more on rewatch. Like he did a lot of things that I didn't notice in real time. It was like, yeah, that was a good pinch. Like, oh, that was a you know pretty good puck battle win that he got right there. So I don't I'm still on the fence with, with Friedman. I'd like to see more of him. It doesn't sound like Elaine Vino was super excited about him though. Because he Somebody brought him, brought Freeman out to Vino today after practice, and I'll read his quote. It was, Mark has been okay, but my expectations are higher of his play. I need to see a little bit more urgency from him in his game. He's a young man that, even though he's not overly big, should be able to skate, should be able to help us on breakouts. And I've seen some of that, but I haven't seen enough consistency in that. So that screams to me that when Phil Myers is back, Mark Freeman's going back to the press box or wherever the players have to stay now when they're not playing because of, you know, social distancing and whatnot. But it seems like he's the first guy out, which is kind of disappointing to me because, like, I'd like for him to stay in over a Hager or Braun, but whatever. That's I feel like he's a better fit for either of those guys than each other are, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, he's been real bad with Hague so far in his career because they've tried that a lot, and they've gotten killed. 
I kind of wonder how he would do with Braun. The problem is that they're both righties. Mm. Though Friedman can play the left, so I guess you'd have to put Friedman on the left, but then it's like, do you really want to be putting a guy getting his first extended taste of NHL action on his offside? On his backhand, yeah. And yeah, like, I, I don't know. And just like from a value standpoint, you need righties so bad, and you have two together. Like, yeah. goddamn. Yeah. Granted, neither of them I want up in the lineup. It's just like, is this really where we are? Yeah. Indeed. It's tough. These pe- they, I think the, the, the takeaway from our conversation about the defense is that the Flyers have a lot of pieces. They don't really seem to fit all that well together, which is kind of the same thing we were thinking three months ago when we were talking about how the defense shaped up. It's just kind of turned into a worst-case scenario where they haven't found a way for all these pieces to fit together yet. And then, you know, we're looking at the cupboards, like, all right, well, who's, who's next up? And you've got Zamula, you've got Cam York, isn't there a, a Swedish defenseman too? Um. Well, they got H- Linus Hogberg, the who they hell? signed. Yeah. They got that Adam Ginning guy, who's still over. Oh in God, Sweden. no! Not not Adam Ginning. I I meant Hogberg. Uh, yeah. Hogberg. The hog. The, the hog. hog. <laughs> the hog. <laughs> so like, it's those three. Who else? They got Wyatt Wiley, I guess. Oh, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Like good for. Yeah, I think I, I think will be a, I think will be a good AHL defenseman, and we'll see yeah. if he can turn into more than that, but. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is Zamul and York, and then if they can trade for somebody, which right. I do think they will try to do. Uh, so, like, we're just, we're just not going to be able to home grow the entire defense the way that we once thought that we could. Turns out it's difficult. It's quite hard. Weird. So do we, like, we've seen a couple of trades. We've even seen a, uh, a Canada-America trade, so we know the GMs aren't afraid. We know the border stuff isn't going to be as big of an obstacle as maybe we thought it would be. When do you think when do you think Chucky uh, makes his first trade? I think a lot of it honestly boils down to how Ghost does. If Ghost can slide in with Provorov and not even be amazing but at least like hold down the fort and then Myers comes back, I could see the Flyers waiting. Because I think if they can they would prefer to wait. If Ghost falls off a cliff again, though, then I could see them making a move in the next, like, month or so, maybe, if they can find somebody. Like, they're definitely talking to people. I just don't think they—I think they want to wait and see how Ghost does before they decide we have to do something. Now, if Ghost falls flat on his face, the equation changes, but they want to give him a fair shake in the top four first. Usually with hypothetical trades, we all roll our eyes because it's never who we think and it's always, there's always something else going on. But these are the names that have been brought up to me on post-game. I want to get you guys' opinion. Keith Yandel and Tyson Barry. Absolutely no, not to both of them. No. no. I just, not a chance. Yeah, I... Okay, so the reason why I'm, I'm against Yandel is because, number one, he has a no-movement Yeah, clause. his contract two- is prohibitive. Yeah, number two, he's just not that good anymore. Mm-mm. Like, so the only way that makes sense really is if you're trading, like, the only way a Yandel trade truthfully makes any sense at all is if you're basically swapping Yandel for Ghost. Like, that's it. Okay. That's, that's the only way that trade makes sense. And, like, I think Ghost is better than Yandel right now. Contract's so better. His contract's certainly better. You don't have the complication of a no-movement clause to potentially screw with your expansion draft planning. So I wouldn't do that trade. Like, I honestly, I, I would kind of like it for Ghost because he would get to go back home. That would be neat for him. But for the Flyers, I don't like it. And as for Barry, like, Barry's kind of the same deal. Like, he's just, like, he's another Ghost Gus type. He's like a high-risk offensive defenseman. And 
The whole reason why he signed with Edmonton in the first place is because he wanted to rack up points on the power play with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Like, eh. Eh, I don't know. Anyone I else? Get he's a, I get he's a righty, but. Yeah, is there anybody, any of you have seen that, uh, like another name just floated out there that could potentially be a target for Chuck Fletcher? Dunn is the guy now that everyone Yeah, wants. we wrote about Vince Dunn today. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, he's young enough. Yeah, he's, like, he's 24. He's a good puck mover. He's not a righty. He's a lefty. And he hasn't really been used in top four minutes all that much in his career. But he's been very good in third pair of minutes. He's an interesting thing because, like, it's, it's, it's a tough fit for the Flyers in a sense because if you trade for a guy that young with that much potential, you ideally would want to keep him. But he would presumably still be behind Proprov, Sanheim, and Myers in the depth chart, which would imply that the Flyers either are going to have to expose him in the expansion draft next offseason or this offseason or pay Seattle not to take So if you trade for Vince Dunn, you're almost inherently looking at him as a rental because you assume that you're going to lose him in expansion, which is not necessarily the worst thing. It just comes down to what price are you willing to pay for a rental? And is Vince Dunn the guy you're going to pay that price for? Like, is Vince Dunn the fit? Because if you, if you trade for Vince Dunn, in my mind, like, that's your move. You know, that's mm-hmm. your that's your top four reinforcement you're not waiting for the deadline you're getting them now and there's value in that but you have to decide whether Vince Dunn is the type of defenseman you think this team needs for the playoffs and that's an interesting question and and if he is like maybe we stop worrying about the expansion draft for a second because again you can wheel and deal with those GMs to have them not take the player that you don't want to give up I gotta tell you I can't wait for this fucking thing to be over seriously I am so sick of thinking about it already. Like, uh, I put off. Like, anytime anyone asked me about it, I was like, I don't care. It's two years away. It's a year away. Now it's finally, like, on the horizon, and I'm so goddamn sick of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, look. Yeah. The, like, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Like, the way I look at it with Vince Dunn is that if the Flyers traded for him and basically were just like, he's a rental, I'd be cool with it. Like, I, I, I would be totally fine with that move. I understand why they would look at Vince Dunn and say he's not ideally the type of defenseman that we think this team needs. I'm fine with that being the reason why you don't go for him. But if that's going to be your reason for not going for him, then you damn well better get that type of defenseman by the trade deadline. Because yes. if, you, if you pass on Vince Dunn because you're like, well, he's not the, th- he's not the exact type of guy we, we want, and then you end up getting left holding the bag at the trade deadline, then it's like, well, why the fuck didn't you just trade for Vince Dunn? Yeah. Agreed. All right. <laughs> uh, real quick, and we'll wrap it up. Carter Hart. Uh, we talked about not being worried about his uh, his usage or anything as the season goes on. We're a little worried about his play so far. No, he had a slow start last year too, right? Yeah, he was. He had that bad run yeah. in the the western the West road Coast trip. trip. Yeah, we were yeah, all very worried trip. there for a moment, and then it was all fine. So I'm assuming it's going to go that way this year too. I'm not. I'm not worried about him. He's fine. I gotta tell you. I absolutely loved his uh, his his tantrum in Boston. Me too. Or against Boston, loved it. Me too. You like, should be pissed off. You yeah. should be pissed off. 
Yeah. They're playing the worst defense in the league in front of him. He's not playing to his standards. He's he's you know this cool, calm, collected guy. I like that he made a spectacle. Like I think that's maybe he did just lose his shit, but I think it might have been a little calculated. Like he's disappointed in himself, but he's not only disappointed in himself. Yeah, I I loved I'm, it. I'm laughing at how you said calculated. How did I say it? Did he say it weird? Calculated. Cac calculated. Yeah. Nice. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, I don't even know how you e- hear even this if it, shit. Even if it was, like, whatever. Good. Oh. Be mad. Yeah. Be mad as fuck, yeah. Carter. He's just like, you hear how mature he is and how composed he is. Either he was really that mad and good, like, lose your shit, or there was more to it, and I kind of like if, if there was. I don't think it was calculated. I think it was it was honestly a release of emotion. Okay. But at the same time, like, I'll put it this way. I rarely lose my temper. Like, rarely. I know that that probably is shocking. Mm-hmm. But, like, because of that, when I do, people really take notice. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you kind of, it's like, wow, Charlie's mad. Like, this is serious. And I think that's kind of like, what this was with Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. Like, Carter Hart is such, like, an even-keeled, like, mature kid for his age that when he loses his shit, it forces the rest of the team to be like, oh, we better get our shit together. And I like him having that sort of effect on the team. Yeah, Sometimes, like you know, you don't want to, like, you don't want to overuse this type of thing, but once in a while, it can have a really big impact. And I like that. I'll tell you what I don't like is this guitar playing. he's gonna turn whatever he's turned into that white glove wearing weirdo lundquist and i don't want that i mean if that if he comes with the talent level too that's fine yeah and the same number of cups i hope he gets an emo he grows like an emo haircut (laughs) that's what i'm hoping for i made the point in one of my uh i think it was like a mailbag during the off season when I was just like looking for content and someone asked me like flyers players as 2000s emo bands. And I gave Carter Hart dashboard confessional. And I was like, come on, he could definitely pull off a Chris Caraba haircut. <laughs> <laughs> he could though. He could do it. All right, guys. I think that's about it. Do we have anything else? Anything? Uh, anyone wants to tackle? No, no I, mean, I need to feed my pet. Right. I think That's we're why good. they're screaming in the background. I'll answer your pretty, question. Pretty show. Oh, yeah. Uh, the just because Mike Richards. <laughs> for favorite Flyers captain ever, I just wanted to get everyone's, uh, everyone's opinion on that one because Giroux is uh, longest tenured Flyers captain now. He passed Bobby Clark. God damn, I hope this guy wins a cup here. Me too. Like, I just need it for him. Yeah. He, I can't think of a Flyers player in my time as a Flyers fan. Besides Eric Lindros, that deserves a cut more than Claude Giroux. Chemo, I guess, is up there. He got one, though. He did. Yeah, he eventually got yeah. one. That was, that was good to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it's probably Giroux, you know, in terms of, like, being invested in, you know, the way his career goes. You had mentioned before the show started, though, that you were like, well, what about, like, the non-big names? Yeah, the non-Lindros-Clark-Giroux like, group, because... And, and, yeah, and I mean, out of the non-big names, you know who my favorite is, actually? You're going to steal it's mine. Not, it's not somebody you had for very long. It's Eric Desjardins. Okay, all right. Yeah, all right. 
Didn't have for very long. Yeah. I don't I like love, how he got it. I love Desjardins' captaincy because he eventually just went, ah, fuck it. Keith Primo's the captain. Here you go, kid. <laughs> <laughs> love that one. Uh, I got to go Jason Smith. He's my all-time favorite. I knew you favorite. were going to say it. Okay. I knew okay. it. I just loved him. Like, he was my <laughs> kind of guy. Did you? Yeah, like, just a, just a rough, just an old-school defenseman. And like, I thought he was really good for that one year as, like, the dad, like the guy holding this young team together. We're back with a vengeance. I thought he really helped kick off that era of good Flyers teams, short-lived as it was. Maybe. Maybe. Set a good example from Mike? Could have. Could have done. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Maybe on Google, maybe not. But everywhere else that there are podcasts, search Broad Street Hockey. And boom, content delivered to you daily. All you have to do is hit subscribe. Leave us a review, too. That would be nice. We'd like that. Five stars if you could. Please and thank you. Uh, yeah, that's it. I don't have anything else to sell you. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!